Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. If you care to see a video presentation of these sermons, you must use the Spotify app to see the videos. Otherwise, continue in the medium that you've chosen and you will get the audio version only. Hi, welcome back to The Cottage. We're continuing our series of Walking with Abraham. And we begin where we left off in Genesis chapter 12, verse 5. And we're talking about how Abraham sets up shop and the King James has at the plain of Mora. And we're going to go behind the Hebrew word for plain to help you understand why other translations have oak and focus on the tree there and the importance of Abraham meeting God where there are trees and on mountains when compared to the ancient Near Eastern perspectives. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you and praise you for who you are and that we can turn to you. There's so much going on in this world and, and sometimes we feel overwhelmed and we, we need each other, but we also need you. And so, Father, help us to lead the way to show the world that the answer is you. No matter how bad it gets, waxes worse and worse, we will draw closer and closer to thee. And we will experience what you have for us. And we turn to your word now. Help us to see what you want us to see. And speak to us now. This message that we thank you for. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're continuing our series of Walking with Abraham. We did the first three verses last week. And we're ready to move on with verse 4 this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4 and 5. Actually, I want to go to 5. Sorry. And Abraham took Sarai his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substances that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Iran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan into the land of Canaan they came. So we talked last week about how this was to go down. Okay. So we talked about how God had called Abraham. So we don't know exactly when God, how this works, but we know that they were in Ur. And we know that when they were in Ur, then Abram's father took them to Haran. And it was after the, in Haran, then Abram is called then to go into Canaan. And so the first three verses was God calling Abraham, it's his great promise. And so here we are in verse 5, that Abraham obeys God. He obeys God, and he's taking his wife, Sarah. Now, he does, they don't have any children. Sarah's barren, unable to have children. 
So he's got uh, his brother's son because his brother's passed away. So he can't have children through his wife Sarah. And his brother has passed away. So then he's taking his brother's son and presumably that's how it would work. That Lot is going to then uh, take over and be next in line. But that's not what God has promised. In verses 1, 2, and 3, God has promised that through Abraham, and it's amazing to me that that promise, as we look at it, how that promise plays out, that it's through Abraham, but also through Sarah. It's through Sarah. Now, we know the rest of the story, but but the amazing thing is that it's through Sarah that this is going to happen. Abraham is going to be able to have his own children. And now it's going to take some time for this promise. And so that's a lot of what we've been talking about. It takes time. It's a process like we talked about last time when we went to the ten lepers in Luke. It's a process. So it takes everything that they would gathered together between the two families, whether his brother had through his brother's son, what he has, and the souls that they've gotten, all the people that are associated and hired, because we're talking about livestock, so you've got to have all the livestock, and you've got to have all the workers to go with that. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. So this is where we're at now. God called them, says, I want you to go. Abraham goes, and we're in the land of Canaan, and that's what God said. That's where we're at. And we're going to pick up here when we do the next message. But I want to talk about verse 6 in Sunday school this morning. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Sechem. And that's actually Shechem. That's just how the King James decided to uh, spell the Hebrew there in English letters. Unto the plain of Morah. And the king knight was then in the land. So at that time, there's these other people in the land. And Abraham reaches the destination. And I want to play with this uh, Hebrew word here, plain, the Hebrew word for plain here. Actually, it's, it's tree. Okay? If you go to the Greek, if you go to the Greek here, uh, translating the Greek into English, which is translated about 250 years before Jesus, uh, they translated the Hebrew into the Greek. This is the Greek translation. And Abraham traveled, this is again Genesis twelve six. And Abraham traveled through its length to the place of Shechem at the high oak. Not the plain, but the high oak. But the Canaanites at the t- that time were residing in the land. So, for whatever reason, the King James Version, the, the translators follow the Latin Vulgate, the Latin Bible, the Catholic Bible, the Latin. So the Bible was translated, originally was in Hebrew, about 250 years before Jesus. They begin to translate uh, Genesis, started with Genesis and the Pentateuch, in from Hebrew into Greek, because everybody is speaking Greek at that time. And the Greek people want to understand the Jewish religion. So they, 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 they have the Jews... And it's the largest translation process in the antiquity. It's the first time that a book, a volume of this size, what you call the Old Testament, is translated from Hebrew into Greek. So it's a massive, massive translation project. And it's the largest and the first. So know that when humans first decided to translate a massive document, a massive book, from one language to another language, it was your Bible. It was the, what we call the Old Testament. So they began, they didn't finish it till about the time of Christ, give or take. 
Okay, so in the New Testament authors, over 60% of the time, the New Testament authors, when they're quoting the Old Testament, they're quoting from here. Okay, from the Greek. Alright? And so the Greek, it's, it's oak. Now the Hebrew that we have is about a thousand years old. The most complete copy of the, of the Hebrew Bible, the, what we call the Old Testament, is only about a thousand years old. Okay, so over 2,200 years ago they translated this. And so, uh, <clears throat> Rini's not here this morning. Uh, uh, she's next door. She's next door. But uh, she likes the ASV, the American Standard Version, she told me, so I pulled it out. And this is, you know... Um, My sister? Yeah. Yeah, she studied this in college. The American Standard Version. She said she used it in college. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the oak of Morah. And the Canaanite was in the land. So, we have better documentation of the text. The King James were just following the Latin. The Latin comes after the Greek when the Catholics were using Latin. Okay? And so the primary in the Catholic Church, primarily it was Latin. Because Rome in the 4th century, Latin was the big language. So they translated. As a matter of fact, if you watch the Passion of the Christ movie, Mel Gibson stuck to the original languages. So if you've ever seen the Passion, you know they're not talking English. You have to read the subtitles. They are switching between Hebrew, I don't remember if they use Aramaic or not, and Greek, which was the language of the day, and Latin. They even actually, now I don't know if Jesus would have spoken Latin or not. He would have spoke Greek because his father was a contractor. And there was a huge place nearby Nazareth where his father would have gotten lots of work to do construction projects. And so his father would have had to traffic in Greek to be a contractor. Okay, his father would have had to have known Greek, and so I don't know if his father would have learned Latin or if Jesus would have learned Latin or not as a part of that. But definitely, they were using the Greek Bible in Nazareth for the Old Testament. Okay, we do know that. All right, so I'm just letting you know that the translators were using the Latin, and because of Latin, they're worried about trees because trees in the ancient world are sacred. Trees are sacred. And I want to explain to you why this is important. Because it's, it's amazing. So let's, let's look again later on in Genesis 35, 4. The same Hebrew word. The same, the same concept is. It's, it's very close in the grammar. This is Genesis 35, 4. And they came into Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Same place. So here in Genesis 35, it's the same place. Jacob is coming back. He went over with Laban. He got his two wives. He came back. He met Esau. And then he's going back. And when he gets to the land, he's telling everybody from over there where Abraham came from. This is Haran. He comes back from Haran with Laban. Just like Abraham came from Haran. And when Jacob comes back from Haran, he comes back to the same place, Shechem, except the King James gets it right this time and they put oak. It's the tree. It's the exact same spot. When Abraham comes from Haran, he arrives at the oak of Shechem. When Jacob comes from Haran, he arrives at the oak of Shechem and he tells his people, 
We're going to worship Yahweh. So anybody in my house. Now remember when he leaves Laban, his wife Rachel stole her father's idols. Because that was like the deed to the property. Your idols were proof that that was your land. Because that God ruled over that land. And so you use the idols as the deed to your property. So basically what happens is Rachel steals her father's deed to his property. Because she says, my father's not giving me anything. She steals the deed. So he doesn't legally have the deed to his own property. And he'll have to go back and work all that out. Okay? It was amazing. Story here. I'm, I'm in my wife's village. And there's some people being discipled, and we're bringing them in the faith. And the husband, you know, he's all excited about it and everything else. The wife is not really excited, and she wore the pants in the family. <laughs> and she's not really excited about what's going on. So she slowly, slowly gets the people on her side and slowly, slowly convinces her husband that this is not the greatest idea. So the people I was with had gone into the house and had cleansed it of all the idols, and we prayed over the house and everything. And we got rid of the idol. Okay? And we, because they were going to get baptized and they're becoming Christians. So we cleaned, cleaned the house of the idol, prayed over it and everything, get ready to baptize the family. And the wife and the husband decided to, that he wasn't going to become Christian after all. So then what did they have to do? They had to go do all this big rigmarole ceremony to go get a new idol. <laughs> They had to go back to the priest and do big sacrifice and go all kinds of gung-ho to go back into the Hindu, you know. And so they had to get new idols. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, Jacob says, hey, if any of you are worshiping any other gods, because Laban comes to me and says, we got your stuff. Okay. He said, so I'm going to clean this up right now. I'm the head of the household. This tribe, this group of people, we are going to worship Yahweh. So if you got any baggage from any other God, we're putting it right here. We're burying it. We're putting it in the ground. But this is a sacred spot. But notice, the King James, I'm amazed. It's the same place. It's the same everything. Everything's the same. Abraham from Haran parks right here. Jacob from Haran goes exactly same place. The King James in, in Genesis 12 says plain because of the Vulgate, the Latin. But here in verse 4, it has oak. Down to verse 8. But uh, Deborah's, but Deborah, interesting, Deborah, this is amazing. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. Here's that same word. Now it's not, this is at Bethel. Because that's where Abraham's going next. Jacob is following the exact same walking with Abraham. What Abraham does, he goes to Shechem, and then he goes to Bethel. Jacob goes to Shechem, then he goes to Bethel, and here's that same word, and it's an under oak. And the name of it was called Alon Bakthuth. And the King James authors decide not to translate what that means. And we'll get there. But I want you to show you the King James in Genesis following the Latin Vulgate has the word plain in Genesis 12, 6, chapter 13, 18, 14, 13, and 18, 1. It's all plain, 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 plain. But in here in Genesis 35, it decides to have oak. I would say they're all oak. They're all oak. But it's following again the Latin because that's what the King James translators had. They didn't have the Hebrew, they had the Latin. 
I'm not defaulting the King James translators. They did the best they could. That's what they say in the front of their, uh, their... If you ever read the front of the King James translators' notes, they have notes. And basically what it says in those notes is we did the best we could and we hope somebody comes along and does something better. Okay? So what's going on with these trees? Well, I'm going to show you this is, this is something going on throughout the Bible. We get out of, outside of the Pentateuch now. We're moving out of the first five, out of Moses, in Joshua. Joshua 24, 26. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law and he took a great stone and set it up there under an oak. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. Where are they at? The same place, Shechem. <laughs> the same place that Abraham, when he left Tehran, he went to the oak at Shechem. When Jacob came back from Haran, he went to the oak of Shechem. Joshua has conquered the entire land. He started, amazingly, he starts south. He conquers all the major powers in the south. Then he moves north and he conquers all the major portions in the north. And then he divides the land among the 12 tribes and says, here, you each have your own uh, place. Now you finish it. You drive out all of the idolaters and all the foreign gods and this is going to be Yahweh's land. Now I'm done. I did what God called me to do. And he gathers them all at the same place where Abraham first where Jacob, Israel, first. Now he's at the same spot. And the tabernacle is going to stay at Shechem, aside for a few uh, wonderful, interesting... I'd love to tell you the story in Samuel, what happens to the Ark of the Covenant in Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 5. Other than that, here's where the Ark is going to stay. Where? Under an oak. It's Shechem. Under an oak at Shechem. Now, Stephen mentioned about uh, the book of Judges. I don't know if I have that or not. I don't think I went there. I didn't go there, maybe. But in the book of Judges, I could have went on. Deborah the prophet. Deborah the nurse dies. Deborah the prophet is the same under an oak. It's amazing. Anyway, she, she prophesies from under this tree. Nathaniel in the New Testament, he is praying under a tree. I think it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is the chosen does a really good job with Nathaniel, and you see Nathaniel sitting under the tree, and he's doing the same thing Deborah does in the Book of Judges under this tree, and then when they come to him and tell him about Jesus, he goes to see Jesus, and Jesus says, "I saw you under the tree." What's going on with that tree? Think about in Genesis, the tree of life. Think about the cross, how they talk about it. We often say cross, 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 but not every time in the Bible does it talk about the cross. Sometimes it calls it the tree. There's something about trees going on. And you lose that with King James, and so I'm trying to bring that back to you today. But let's go back. Genesis 12, 6. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Borah. And there it is in the Hebrew. It's the oak of the teacher. It's the oak of the teacher. Okay? The oak of the teacher. And there's something about oaks. And what I'm trying to say is that you are living in a desert, a wilderness, a dry place. And you're wandering around and you're looking and it's almost like the old days. I don't know, does anybody still travel? And do you stop off at rest areas? 
Long before there were convenience stores, vacation time, what did you do? Stop off? Remember one of my preachers over at Bunker Hill had a van and he went on a trip and he's driving and he stopped off at a rest area. His wife is asleep in the back of the van. He gets out of the van and he uses the restroom. While he was in the restroom, she woke up. Cool. So she goes into the ladies' bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom, hops back in the van, thinks she's still asleep, and he's down the road, and he drove hours before he realizes she's not in the van. This is before they had cell phones. Yes, he was. What a vacation. Anyway, we have rest stations. Because you're looking for somewhere. Abraham, we just said Abraham and Lot, they have all of this stuff. They got all these people, all this livestock. They are shepherds. They're traveling from place to place. That's what shepherds do. They move from field to field to feed the sheep, the flocks. They got to find new pastures. Okay? And they set up shop. Why? Under a tree. Why? A, because if there's a tree there, there must be water. If there's water there, we can all drink, bathe, cook, whatever. Where there's trees, there's water. Where there's water, there's stuff for the animals to eat. There's grass. Where there's water and grass, there are other animals. So if you happen to want to kill something wild and eat it, some venison, in other words, there's life there. Abraham is traveling through like a desert and you see a tree out in the middle of the desert, you know there's water there. It's an oasis. It's a signpost. But here's how the ancient people understood this. When they saw this, I know it's on the screen, you're like, I don't understand what that is. That's a bunch of scribbly libbly. When they saw a tree, they knew at some point God must have come down and touched that land. And because God touched that land, the land responded with life. In other words, heaven came down and touched that place. And that's where we meet God. We think about it as we call this the cottage. We call this a resting place. I always joke that this is the cottage. This is a place where you can come every week and get refreshed on your journey. But your journey is going toward Jesus, toward heaven. But it's a rest stop. You can come here and get refreshed. In other words, a traveler may have almost died and cried out to God and God came down and met that traveler right there. Instead of the traveler dying, God was there. The water came. The tree grew as a result of that. And now there's life there because God touched the land and they thought it was a sacred space. Now, the Latin Vulgate didn't want to put trees in there because they know many people who are idolaters worship trees. And they didn't want us, you know, having Abraham worshiping trees. He's not worshiping a tree. He's meeting God there. He needs shade. He needs water. He's being practical. But at the same time, there's something going on in the spirit saying, this is a place where life is. God has touched this piece of ground. This is somewhere I can meet God. God has come here before more than likely God can come here again 
and meet my needs. So it is a sacred space. So you will see all the time they're looking for these sacred spaces. These, you, this tree keeps popping up. I showed you on the slide. How many times? Now the King James says plain, plain, plain. No, it's not plain. And I'm not against the King James. I'm just saying this is where it's interesting if you can get in the original languages where you can begin to learn that this is where God has met before. And so if Abraham met God here when he first came into the land, if my father met God here and was baptized, was sitting in that pew, maybe I can meet God here. So Jacob says, my grandfather met God under this tree. I can meet God under this tree. Joshua comes back to the same spot. And that is where the Ark of the Covenant sits, aside for the First Samuel 5 thing, until David brings it into Jerusalem. Under that very same spot. That is holy ground. That's a spot where they have met God time and time again. And it's an oasis in our journey. This is what it's talking about. That they do that. He goes on. Verse 7. I'm almost out of time. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto thy seed, I will give this land and there built an altar to the Lord who appeared to them. So right there at that tree, Abraham builds an altar unto the Lord. He's met God. God's met his needs, but he's met God. He's being refreshed. He's met God. And God says, I'm going to give you the seed. Now, I'm going to go to... Uh, before we mention the seed here, I want to go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, where it talks about Eden. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, in Ezekiel 28. And it's talking about here where God is speaking of Satan. You once were in the garden of Eden. It describes Eden as a garden. And Adam and Eve were supposed to take seed from Eden and go out into the wilderness. Eden was where God met people. It was heaven on earth. It was God's headquarters. People were to, supposed to, Adam and Eve were supposed to be in Eden, meet God, then go out and do all the work in the fields outside of Eden to carry the seed. So Abraham is meeting God in the same kind of place. There's a tree there. It's like a garden. Kings would have gardens representing how God had blessed them and water Psalm 104, the water cycle, water came down from heaven and water fed the ground. And because water fed the ground, there was a tree to grow up. Kings would have all sorts of uh, plants. They would gather plants from any land they conquered and they would bring it to their palace and they would put it in there as a memorial. I conquered this land, take some of the dirt, take some of the seed from that ground and bring it to their garden and say, here is a picture of my kingdom. Just check out my garden. Here's I got this seed from this place I conquered. I got this seed from that place I conquered. I got this seed from that place. See my beautiful garden. It's a representation of all the lands I rule over. So you come to the king's palace, the government, kind of like we have government today in Washington, they're supposed to represent us. Our U.S. representative was in the newspaper this week, right? Mom said in the Telegraph. She's done all this and done all that and done all this, you know. She's supposed to represent us in government, but she is in Washington. That's kind of the same thing they would do. The king would have a representation of all the lands he ruled over by taking seed trees. And it models what happened in Eden. In Eden, at the very beginning, it's a garden. So Abraham is meeting God here. And God says, I'm going to give you this seed. 
Okay, unto thy seed. I'm going to do something like a garden. It's that same language. Going on in verse 8. And he removed from thence. Now he's moving. We're walking with Abraham. And he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east side of Bethel. And pitched a tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the right, on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now he's meeting God on the mountain. And I told you, same thing, that Jacob went from Shechem... Then Jacob went to Bethel. Because Abraham, he's following the same thing that Abraham did. But it's a mountain this time. Now how does Ezekiel describe the Garden of Eden? Thou art the anointed cherub, you were in the Garden of God that covereth, and I have set thee so, and thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Now he's describing Eden as a mountain. Now to us it doesn't make sense. But to me it makes very good sense. Because mountains over there, because the land was so dry, the higher you got up a mountain, that's where the rain came down, Psalm 104, and God would touch the earth at the mountain. Heaven and earth meet at a mountain. A tree comes up out of the ground, but heaven and earth meet with the tree. We're trying to touch heaven. And so when the rain came down, it first touched the mountain. And then it flows down from the mountain and feeds the valley. So, in other words, life begins at the mountain. That's where you get closer to God. You climb the mountain. My wife, I told you, the castes and the priests live on the top of the mountain. Then the next class is the next level. And down, down, down until you get to the bottom. The people in the valley at the bottom because they, all that stuff, all the toilet, everything just flows down and they're stuck down in the bottom. They get whatever's left. Trickle down economics. They get that what's left down. Okay, that's what they get. And so they have to climb up all the way up to the mountain and haul their grain, their rice, all the way up to the mountain to sell it up there and then drive out because the road is on top of the mountain. So they're down, low cast, in the valley. And over here, maybe, because America is so blessed, the land is beautiful, and the higher you up you get, the less the mountain is. Over there, it's so dry, the higher up you go on a mountain, the better it is. The better the land, the better the soil, the better everything. Okay? And so, Eden is described as a mountain because the ancients believed that you would find God wherever there's trees, or you'd find God on the mountains. You'd find God in the mountains, because that's where heaven and earth meet. And so, Abraham is meeting God in these places. Some people, idolaters, do worship God in the high places, and it's wrong. They worship other gods in a high place. But they're going to the mountain because they believed. They understood that how you meet God was on the mountain. Or where there are trees in the desert. And so Abraham is following that model. He goes on in verse 16. By the multitudes of thy merchandise, thou hast filled the midst of thee with violence, thou hast sinned. Therefore I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. Satan gets, in Genesis 3, he kicks Satan up. That's when Satan rebels in Genesis 3. And he kicks him out of Eden. He kicks him off the mountain. He kicks him out of heaven. He's like, you're no longer going to be in the heavenly council. He kicks him out. He sent Adam and Eve out. He kicked them out. And, and Genesis 12.8, they're moving east. To the east side where the sun comes up. And it begins... Your day begins with the sun in the east. He's going to start on the east side of the mountain of Bethel. And they, they attribute it Bethel. Bethel is, in Hebrew, the word for house of God. El is God and Beit is house. 
It's the house of God. He's meeting God on the mountain where the sun first comes up so he can pray to God on the mountain. It's all very sacred. Verses 9 and 10. And Abraham journeyed going on still toward the south. There was a famine in the land. Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in the land. So Abraham is going to encounter famine and that's what we're going to pick up in our next service. But I wanted you to understand the reason behind the tree gardens in the desert is where God is and mountains where heaven and earth meet. And I wanted you to understand that, that that's what Abraham is doing such that Jacob follows the exact same plan coming from the exact same place, Haran, that Abraham came from, going to the exact same place as Shechem and Bethel. Joshua parks the tabernacle that David will bring into Jerusalem, the ark, at this same tree. At this same tree. Okay? So this is a very important point in the Bible. And you can meet God in these moments because they understand this is where they got their life from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life that you give us. That where there are trees, there's fruit. And where there's fruit, there's seeds. And it's a sign of your life. And we thank you for life. And that we can meet you on these mountains and experience you and touch heaven and earth can meet just like they did in Eden. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at dken.cc. That's D-K-E-N dot C-C. We look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you.